Welcome to the first podcast of 2012. Happy New Year and a Happy New Year's film viewing is ahead of us all. I can say that with an alarming degree of confidence because I have seen a number of the films opening in the first few months of this year as reported from festivals last year and they continue last year's rich run of independent and world cinema. 2012 kicks off in fine style with the much talked about The Artist. I was fortunate to see The Artist in the legendary 8.30 in the morning screening in Cannes. The legendary nature of the screening slot stems from the fact that this is the first time an audience will have collectively seen the film. Little is known, and certainly no critical opinion is formed prior to this screening. Thus it takes on a theatrical immediacy, with a much-anticipated sense of how the film will be received and how the audience will respond. I have seen it go either way, and sometimes both at the same times. Tree of Life memorably split the audience with both boos and cheers at the end. Whereas in a film that shall remain anonymous, the soundtrack to the majority of the film was the sound of chairs hitting the back of the seats as two and a half thousand people filtered out of the cinema. So it is with much anticipation that you take your seat for the 8.30am screening after a 7am rise, followed by a rushed coffee and a croissant, whilst unceremoniously dashing down the croisette, grabbing the trade papers en route to get into your seat actually at 7.45. Yes, that is 7.45 in the morning. You can't expect to turn up at 8.25 and casually take your seat. Plus it gives you 45 minutes to read the trades, finish the coffee and watch the breathless panicked fellow audience members arrive and scour the vast, steep-raked auditorium for an empty seat. Ah, the joys. But back to the artist. The film hits the screen and you are immediately into judging what, where and how this film is about, going and will take you there. With the artist, there was an immediate relocation to the Hollywood silent era of Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Largely down to a quite brilliant, exuberant performance from the lead actor Jean Dujardin. The film is simply and extraordinarily a love letter to silent cinema to Hollywood and to the idealism and optimism that that era now seems to engender. I have never come across an audience response so joyous and uplifted. Usually when you leave the cinema there are debates about this and that, but there was a unanimous collective smile. After all, the artist is a celebration of cinema, screened in the greatest event to celebrate the art of cinema. Since then, stories of the artist reducing critic screenings to cheering and clapping are legion. Indeed, I gather when it was screened at BAFTA, the response was such that the desk attendant exclaimed at the most extraordinary they'd heard in their 20 years working. So it is one heck of a cinematic way to kick off the new year, and if I were a betting man, a clear winner for best film at any award ceremony. The artist also nicely sets up for slapstick at the end of the month, Bristol's annual celebration of silent cinema, which over the years has demonstrated audiences still love and appreciate silent cinema. Later this month is Shame, the second film from artist Steve McQueen, which takes us on as uncomfortable and unsettling journey as his excellent debut film Hunger. In Hunger, he explored the effects of the Troubles, and in particular Bobby Sands' decision to go on hunger strike and what it did to his body and mind. In Shame, he explores the modern urban male's inability to connect emotionally and the way in which sex becomes a refuge from feeling. What on paper might sound like a piece of sociological research is in the hands of McQueen, a brilliant, powerful piece of cinema with brave and outstanding performances from not only Michael Fassbender, 
but also Carrie Mulligan as his emotionally vulnerable sister. It is indeed this very emotional vulnerability that McQueen reveals. In shame, the male psyche has become a very modern heart of darkness and McQueen's intent is to leave the audience with more questions than answers. In the process, actor Michael Fassbender may just have proved, if that were required, that he is the screen actor of our generation. Ironically, his next performance is in David Cronenberg's A Dangerous Method, which opens at Watershed in February. Here he plays psychoanalyst Carl Jung to Viggo Mortensen's Freud. I wonder if shame was preparation for playing Carl Jung or vice versa. Also this month sees Rafe Fiennes in front and behind the camera in his bloody and modern updating of Shakespeare's Coriolanus. The updating is to a near-contemporary Balkan state where Shakespeare's tale of political manoeuvrings has an all-too-relevant resonance. It was not a play I was particularly familiar with, but Fiennes' adaptation and performance are intense and gripping. So already three moving, intelligent, powerful films in the first month of the year, with the aforementioned Cronenberg and also Polanski's savage satire carnage to come in February. Definitely a vintage year in cinema ahead. For more information on the programme, visit watershed.co.uk to see an interview with the producer of Shame, Ian Canning, who also produced The King's Speech. See watershed.co.uk forward slash dshed. That's all for this month.